Good morning. Happy Friday. Testing. All right, so just wanted to make sure everything is adjusted here, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, good morning. It's, uh, feels like it's a little uh, crooked at 10, but that's okay. I do apologize. There we go. Yeah, good morning, everybody. It is a little after 7. It is about 7.08 a.m. on this TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, um, August 14th, 2020. Yes, I would have. I was planning to do this a little bit earlier, except, you know, when you set your alarm and it goes off and you wake up and get yourself ready, you want to let your body wake up as well, as well as get yourself some energy to supply you with as you, you know, get ready to do this. And uh, right now, in case you guys are wondering, yes, we are in a heat wave. It's already 75 degrees outside, so it's kind of one of those situations. Um, But anyway, again, welcome and good morning. So we have six topics to try to quickly get through this morning. Six of them, anyway. And what are those topics you might be wondering about? Well, those topics are, and we're going to get right to them. The first topic, we'll talk about Joe Biden choosing Kamala Harris Harris as his running mate for vice president and why it's already being soured on even by his own supporters. Second thing we'll talk about, WWE has finally... Um, gotten a location, as far as we know, for SummerSlam that's outside of the Performance Center. And possibly it's going to be a, the future location for future Raws and SmackDowns and all that. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about, speaking of wrestling, the passing of someone I grew up on back in the 80s, 90s. And that is Big Jim Harris, otherwise known as the wrestling legend Kamala, the Ugandan giant or Ugandan headhunter or warrior depending on how he was uh, introduced. Um, Number four, we'll also talk about, uh, on the fourth topic, we'll talk about new characters to be introduced in the Anime X reboot, premiering the week, forgot to put week, but the week uh, before Thanksgiving. Yes, in case you guys uh, don't know, they are scheduled to debut on November 20th, unless things change on Hulu. Number five, we'll talk about the season 10 comic. That's right, the season season 10 comic and continuation of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And it is now, and the fact that it's now out, along with the crossover with Transformers known as Friendship in Disguise, as you can see in the back, I have the covers up uh, as posters. And then we're going to talk about, finally, the last topic we'll We'll talk about the last topic is debatable romances in animated series that have happened in the past 30 to 40, I forgot to put years, past 30 to 40 years that are hinted at up for 
up for the interpretation or up for interpretation, etc. And we'll kind of I'll kind of explain what I mean by that as we go along. So yeah. Anyway, let's talk about our first topic, and that is, as I mentioned, as I linked this up on Twitter, that is Joe Biden, as of the past 24 to 48 hours, came out and announced his running mate for vice president. Of course, Joe Biden, the Democratic candidate for president this year, uh, he's finally come out. You know, everybody was wondering who he was going to choose. There was a whole like list of candidates, mostly female, with all due respect, that were shown. And the person he chose was Kimala Harris. Kimala Harris or Kamala Harris. Uh, he chose her. Of course, she was born here in the Bay Area in Oakland, well, here in California. She's mostly known for being a representation, a representative of California, whether it's a senator, as she is now, as someone that was on the state Senate, was someone that was on the city council, something like that for San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, you know, he chose her, Kamala Harris, Camille Harris, as his running mate. Um, and here's, here's the thing about his decision to choose her. Even though there are people that do support the idea, and I have read that there are people that support the idea, there are others, if not, and I'm not saying this as an exaggeration, I'm saying this as a fact. It seems that there are others, if not a majority of others, just slightly, that are opposite of his choosing of Kimala Harris. And the reason I say that is because if you don't, if you we're living under a rock, which I think I don't think none of us were. Uh, Kamala Harris was recently a presidential candidate. She was running for president herself. And not only was she running for president herself, but I think she was running on the Democratic side or the liberal side or something like that. And basically, when she realized she wasn't going to succeed, she dropped out and showed support for Biden. And it's not just the fact that she was running for president in this very election, which she dropped out of, that is under scrutiny for, be, for her being chosen as a running mate. But it's also her, it's also her stance on a lot of uh, topics that are very controversial and debatable, like... You know, for example, one of the big things that Fox News, whether you follow them or you don't, or believe them or you don't, uh, reported, and I'm sure CBS has done the same thing, and ABC and NBC, like I said, whether you believe them or you don't, um, has reported, is that a lot of pro-life uh, supporters of Biden have now gone against him. They've basically said, you know, you know, we're not going to support you this year. We're not going to vote. We're either, we're either going to choose a different side and choose either Trump or somebody else, but we're not going to choose you. Or according to some reports, they're just going to not vote. They're just going to sit it out. All because he chose this lady as his running vice president. And there are many other reasons, too, that those that, like I said, just by a slight majority, 
are, are against this over those that are for it. Those that, like I said, just by a slight majority that are opposed to it, there are other reasons they feel, you know, Biden made a wrong choice. One of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest speculations, I should say, is the fact that they feel that the Democrats, mostly someone like Pelosi, suggested Camila Harris so that she could be an easier way to manipulate Biden into doing what they want. And if, let's say, Biden gets elected and down the line he is deemed unsuitable to lead, Camila Harris would eventually be the one to step in and become president, let's say, if he ends up in the same situation as Trump and and that's being possibly impeached or voted in incompetent of being the leader. You know, that's the speculation people have. That's one of the other speculations, nations that people have as to why they oppose this decision. Now, again, I'm not saying everybody is against it. There are those that like the idea because some people do look at Camila Harris as a strong woman that's gone through a lot in her 50 plus years of existence. You know, like I said, she was born here in California, lived in the Bay Area, family moved to Canada, you know, stuff like that. I mean, she's got a whole bio on her personal life and what she has done as a, in success throughout uh, the late 80s, in, in early, throughout the late 80s, throughout the 90s and all that. So um, there are people that do like the idea that she is that Biden chose her because, like I said, some look at her as a strong-willed woman that won't take crap from someone like Trump or Pence. But then again, but then again, like I said, you have you have people. You have that other side that's just a slight more, in number wise, that are against this idea. I mean, like I said, you you have Biden supporters. You know that's what it even says in the description. When I said Biden chooses Harris as his running mate for the election, and why it's already being soured on even by his own supporters. Like I said, you have his own supporters, pro life or not pro life or whatever, that don't like the idea. They don't like the idea that he chose this woman to be his running mate because of what she believes in, her stance on a lot of things, not just, hey, you should choose whether or not you want to have a child and all that, or whatever topic she's, you know, supportive of. You know, nobody likes the fact that he chose her. And even even the media, believe it or not, even the media feels now, what this is going to do is it's going to hurt him more than it's going to help him. Now, like I said, I, I understand. Now, as I said, there are people that feel opposite of that. Some people feel like, no, it's, you know, they're just blowing it out of proportion. It's it's going to help him. It's going to support him. It's going to make him win the election because he chose her and it'll be history. That's what people want. And that's probably another reason why he chose her. Again, nothing against a female president, nothing against a female vice president. I'm totally for that. But that's another reason why some people feel 
that Biden chose You know, chose um, by, you know, Biden chose her, you know, because of the fact that, you know, she's a woman and in the fact that, you know, no. And because of the fact that basically Biden, if not the Democrats who probably suggested he choose her, probably feel that that's going to be in his favor because, you know, if there's one thing a lot of people like to do, it's make history. They like to make history. I mean, the one thing that everybody still holds the hangs the coattail hangs the coattails on, and they say this is all due respect. The one thing a lot of people hang their coattails on still is electing Barack Obama as the first African-American president um, ever. And that's a great thing. That's great. You want to hang your coattails on it? That's great. I support the idea of wanting to make history. And despite how people may feel about Barack, and yeah, he's made some decisions people agree and don't agree with, he did have a lot of exuberant energy that despite him not doing the best job any president could in people's eyes, you know, kind of made you like him. Kind of made you kind of be like, yeah, he's, you realize, hey, he's a good guy. He's got a good heart. He's just making the wrong decisions. He's listening to the wrong people. You know, so, you know, so again, I'm all for that, for making history. And that's why Biden made the announcement he did. Not because of the fact that, hey, she's got this impressive resume that makes her the perfect candidate, or perfect running mate for vice president, but it's also the fact that he, and mostly the Democrats that probably suggested he choose her, realized that if there's one thing that could be at his advantage, it's, it's people like making history. And if they can get a woman vice president in there, that's making history. But again, but going back to what I said, you know, go back to what I said, despite the fact that there are a lot of people that are for this and they're okay with it because they feel Camila Harris is probably the best choice right now, or best choice out there to be a possible vice president. There's just a slightly more, there's just slightly more people, mostly on the Democratic side and the Biden supporting side, that don't like the idea that he chose her. And they feel it's just going to blow up in his face. Like I said, there are many people that, excuse me, that feel, that speculate. You know, that feel and, and speculate that the only reason she was chosen was, like I said, the Democrats maybe suggested it. And the fact that, you know, let's say what people are speculating about Biden being, you know, be, speculate about Biden being, you know, comes to pass, which, you know, he has a dementia or bits of it. 
you know, this would be the perfect way for them, let's say a Pelosi, to get what she's been wanting. Because a lot of people always speculate what's, you know, because the one thing a lot of people debate, have debated about Pelosi is what is her problem? Why, why does she not like Trump? What is her problem? Why was she so adamant about getting him out as soon as he got in? Is, you know, is it because of the way he mistreated women or showed respect towards them or whatever or looked down upon them? Maybe. But I think the other reason, and one, one senator during the impeachment trial uh, earlier this year into late, late, late last year, one thing that one senator said was, look, if Trump was to get impeached, it doesn't mean Hillary Clinton comes in. Basically, this senator called out the Democrats, mostly I think Pelosi, on the fact that they believed that, hey, we get rid of Trump, we'll get Clinton. So a lot of people, like I said, have that. A lot of people, even those that support Biden and want to see him win, feel that he made the wrong choice here because all this is is just a power play by, let's say, someone like Pelosi to finally get what she's wanting, to possibly get what what she's been wanting. And you know what? I can honestly see people going like, well, if she wants a woman president in, in there, why didn't she just run for it? And I think the reason she doesn't run is because she realizes she'll lose. She won't even make it past preliminaries. But getting back on topic, like I said, you know, there's just a slight majority of people that are against just a slight smidge more of people, a slight smidge more people that are against the choice that Biden made. They're against it. You know, the, it, it's like, hey, you know, you know, to them, it's like, look, you want to choose her? That's fine. More power to you. We just don't agree with it. And because we don't agree with it and we feel it's the wrong decision to make, we're not going to vote for you. We're either going to vote for Trump or somebody else, or we're just going to sit it out. Because they could pretty much see already what possibly will happen or what the end result would be. Now, again, I'm not, now again, like I said, if I'm not against a woman becoming vice president or president, if that happens, as my mom said, as my mom always says, God has a reason for it happening. And like I said, if it happens, great, no problem, cool. But the thing is, you know, if you were to look and all the other possible candidates besides Kim Kamala Harris, you know, as being possible candidates to to work with, if you will, or to have or to have as a running mate, a lot of people probably would have chose one of them over her. Because despite how they might have how they might feel about certain things. They maybe in the eyes of those that don't like this idea, those are better options and choices. Now, I don't know how the political, how, how basically the politicalness when it comes to elections goes, and I don't know whether or not maybe he could just decide. Okay, look, this is getting too much backlash on me. 
and maybe I need to choose somebody else and maybe make the announcement that she's not his running mate anymore. He's going to choose somebody else. I don't know if he's capable, if he can do that. But all I can say is, you know, people, like I said, people are not happy. They are not legitimately happy about this choice. And as crazy as it sounds, a majority of those people outnumber just slightly those that like the idea. They do. You know, and it's all because of some of the things she's supportive of, supportive of, and it and, and these are things they don't agree with. These are topics and things that they don't agree with. So yeah, it's Honestly, folks, um, the way it sounds, in my opinion, just my opinion, the way it sounds, uh, Biden basically probably just shot himself in the foot by choosing Camilla Harris. Because, again, there's a lot of folks, not just average citizens like us, but there's a lot of people, even in the media, Fox News, CBS News, NBC News, CNN, ABC Despite whether you agree with what they say or they don't, whether you agree, whether you agree or disagree that they exaggerate things or they don't, from what I understand, a lot of them have been in agreement or have said similar takes on the uh, similar opinions on the fact that Biden probably just ruined his chances of becoming president by choosing her. Again, you know, it, it just shows you that. You know, this, to me, in my opinion, this just shows you who's really running the show when it comes to Biden's uh, run at being president. And that's the Democrats and other parties involved. All because they're desperate to get, you know, Trump out of office and those involved with Trump out of office. But, yeah, it's, it's, it, it doesn't look like it's, it doesn't look, it doesn't paint a very good picture for him. And right now, whatever support he had is, probably going to go downhill. Now, unless they come up with a strategy to where Harris comes out and says, hey, look, you know, I was originally about this, but I realize now that that's not the right direction to go, the right path to go in. So I'm not going to support that. And instead, I'm going to do the right thing and support it, support it the other way. You know, if they start doing that, fine, more power to them. But it's, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be an up, as the old saying goes with things like this, it's going to be an uphill climb. It, it really is. It's going to be an uphill climb for them because, you know, they want that presidency. There's no doubt. They want that presidency. You know, You know, they, they, they want that presidency, but it's going to be hard for them to try to get it now because of the fact of what of who he's chosen. You know, but as I always, but as I and a lot of people always say when a situation like this comes up, it's a wait and see kind of um, deal. That's what it is. It's wait and see, you know. You know, it's not much we can really do right now. 
And as my mom always says, God is in control. And we'll just, and if God has a reason as to why she was elected, as, as to why he chose her, then, then so be it. You know, that that's his choice. But, yeah, it's, like I said, it's already being soured on by a lot of people, including his own supporters. So, you know, Biden is going to, you know, if people thought Biden possibly had a, a hard, sh- hard shot at becoming president before, they thought that before. I think it's going to get slightly harder now because of the fact that he has her as his running mate. And like I said, nobody, nobody likes that. Nobody likes the fact that he's, she's the running mate. That he chose, so. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun to see exactly what happens. Um, it's going to be really fun to see exactly what happens um, with this uh, with this choice that he's made. Because, I, honestly, folks, it's maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but. I don't know. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Just... It's just one of those situations where I... I think, you know, you want, his thing, and I say this with all due respect, it's one of those situations to where it's like, hey, you want the guy, you want Trump out of office, you're willing to support somebody that technically, mentally may not be suitable to run as president. So now you have to deal with the choices he makes, especially when it comes to who he chooses as his, his running mate for vice president. So, so yeah, you're just gonna. So now you're gonna deal with that, and if it succeeds, eats it succeeds. If it doesn't, you know, you got no one else but yourself to blame. But anyway, enough with that topic. We're gonna move on to our second topic here on this TGIF Friday, August fourteenth, and that second topic is WWE. Finally found a location. Yes, WWE SummerSlam will take place at the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, which is apparently just a few miles away from the Performance Center. Now, the reason this is uh, the reason this announcement was made recently in the past couple of days was, you know, as I talked about in my last topics on my mind, 
the question was basically what was WWE going to hold SummerSlam this year because Vince McMahon and a few other parties involved were very avident, very avident, if you will. You know, like I said, it was very, just checking some of that, but it was very avident about not having SummerSlam at the Performance Center like he's been having Raw and SmackDown and, and the other pay-per-views like WrestleMania and Backlash and, and um, you know, Extreme Rules, stuff like that. He was very, and Money in the Bank as well, which they had to get creative with. But he was very adamant about not having the second biggest show, the third biggest show of the year, um, if not the biggest show of the summer for them, in the PC, and they tried everything in the book that they could try. They talked with the people in Atlantic City, New Jersey, to probably have it on the boardwalk, if not on the beach. Um, maybe at the boardwalk hall where they've held events before. They've talked about, you know, trying to probably have it on a boat, on a cruise, like, you know, AEW did with Dynamite earlier this year, or, you know, at the beginning of this year. You know, so they've talked about a lot of discussions, and they've even talked about having to hold it possibly in Orlando, but not at the Performance Center. Some have even said, you know, why don't you just go outside of the Performance Center? I mean, literally outside, on like on the parking lot, if you will, decorated, and there you go. And the Amway Center has also had also been coming up a lot as a possible location because it's still in Orlando; it's not that far from the Performance Center. And if anything goes up, anything comes up, I should say, they could just quickly pack everything up, go back to the Performance Center, and just refilm or retape uh, the shows there. But yeah, the this, the announcement has been made. Uh, I think tonight on SmackDown they'll make it official that the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, will be the location. Now, hopefully, they do emphasize that. You know, even though the Amway Center will be the location, there'll only be a select few people allowed in. There only a select few people will be allowed in um, to the arena. Now, the one question that Brian Alvarez and I think Mike Johnson uh, had on the uh for on the F4W online uh, podcast or clip that was shown on YouTube is how is this going to look? Is it going to look bad? Is it going to look good? What is WWE going to do? And the one thing that went through my mind about this was WWE, they're going to is WWE, they're going to take a page out of MLB. That's what they're going to do. They're going to take a page out of Major League Baseball. They're going to take a page out of the NBA, maybe, or the WNBA. But they're going to take a page out of a lot of sporting events that are now relying on basically dubbing in crowd noise to make it feel lively, to make it feel like people are actually there. They might even go as far as to say, hey, if they can do cardboard cutouts, so can we. And maybe that's what they'll do. I don't think they're going to fill the entire Amway Center with cardboards, but just basically like on the hard camera side and maybe 
behind people and all, maybe behind the announcers and stuff. That might be what they do, but I think one of the primary things they may do is they're going to dim the lights. They're going to dim the lights and everything when they do the matches so that the focus is on the ring, on the match, and they're going to pump in crowd noise. That's what they're going to do. They're going to basically, like I said, they're going to take a page out of Major League Baseball and some other sporting events, and they're going to say, let's do what they're doing. Let's pump in the crowd noise. Let's make it sound more lively and go from there. Because how do you, Because when you watch... When you watch Major League Baseball, my friends, depending on where you live, and that was just my dog. She just woke up a little bit. She's fine. Uh, but like I said, when you when you watch Major League Baseball, my friends, uh, now that it's restarted and it's shortened season, what's the one thing you seem to notice huh? when it comes to the game? You know, well, one, you notice the cardboard cutouts of people in attendance, or supposedly in attendance, even if it's, you know, cardboard cutouts of celebrities, former political figures, or even yourself, because there have been, uh, Major League Baseball did make the announcement that if you take a selfie and send it in, that there's a possibility you could be shown on television as a cardboard cutout in the stands. Anyway, what is the one thing you've noticed besides that? The one thing you may have noticed is they've been pumping in crowd noise. Yeah. It hasn't just been throw the ball and ooh, strike, and that's all you hear. No, you're hearing noise. You're hearing people, you're hearing crowd noise as if people are actually there. I mean, why do you think? Here's something I want people to think about, and maybe I'll clip this out and out and send it to, to Alex. Uh, down the line, you know, formerly Deluxe Man. Uh, why do you think they pumped in crowd noise during Extreme Rules, I think? Or during recent episodes of Raw and SmackDown? Because they were probably preparing for this. They were probably preparing for the fact that if they get something outside of the PC for SummerSlam, that, na- that, that they are going to basically take the route that all these major sports have gone. And that's basically pumping crowd noise so it makes it sound like somebody is actually there and it doesn't feel, you know, uh, devoid of life. I mean, yeah, you'll probably have the the, uh, the recruits and the trainees there and everything, but it won't sound so devoid of life. And, and I think that's the one thing uh, people are probably speculating already i'm sure just alex he's probably going to talk about this later on today um he's probably speculating the same thing that the only the only way they're going to make this come off as good is they got to dim the lights like i said put the focus on the ring as well as pumping that crowd noise to make it sound like you know then that there are actual people there and you know what when you think about it that might come off better than being at the performance center because you could have the crowd noise echoing throughout the arena and it'll feel like people are actually there. It'll feel like people are actually there. Like you can dim the lights if you have, like let's say you could have Seth Rollins before his match with Dominic Mysterio, right? You have Seth Rollins get on the mic in the front of 
the hard cam or whatever, make it sound like he's, you know, have him talking, have him do his promo and all that, but then pump in the booze and everything that you need to. Why do you think they're sending production trucks and everything out there right now, probably with some superstars, to kind of test out how things will look, how things will go? Now, there has been discussion as well that SmackDown is going to be there. Possibly, I don't think to, I don't know if they're going to be there tonight, or they're going to be there next week for the Go Home Show. They might be there tonight as part of the storyline for safety precautions or something. I don't know. But anyway, we'll just see how it's going to look like, how it's going to look, how it's going to come off on television. And again, I think what they're going to probably do is just dim the lights. Now, you might say, well, what difference that, that does that make when it comes to them not being out of the PC center? Well, one, if you take a look at a lot of the classic stuff, a lot of the classic uh, shows of the 80s and the 90s and even the 2000s, and if not recently, one of the things WWE has done is they put a focus on the ring when it comes to certain events. You take a look at Evolution, the women's pay-per-view a few years ago. They put a spotlight, they dimmed the lights, put a spotlight on the ring. Not because the arena didn't sell out, but because they wanted to put more emphasis on the people, on the ladies in the ring. Same with the Cruiserweight Classic. They put emphasis on the Cruiserweight Classic. They want to put emphasis on those involved. So my theory my theory is that's what they're probably going to end up doing, is they're going to end up going the route of putting more emphasis on the ring by putting the light firmly on the ring, dimming most of the arena, except for maybe where the recruits might be, and basically start pumping in that crowd noise to make you feel like there's a legitimate live crowd in attendance, even though most of the arena will be darkened out, so that way you can have the emphasis on the ring, but in your mind, you can imagine, oh, there are people there. And if they're going to be there tonight for SmackDown, we'll hopefully get a good idea of what it's, how it's going to come off. But yeah, SummerSlam uh, is going to be taking place at the Amory Center this year. Originally, it was supposed to be at the TD Water Garden um, in Boston, but because of what's going on, that's not going to happen. But I got a feeling uh, SummerSlam will be at the TD uh, Water Garden, a water center, a garden center next year to make up for, the, for what happened this year. And that seems to be the theme WWE is going to go with. You know, they're going to go with, hey, you know, because of what's going on this year, we're going to take the events that we promised these cities this year and we're going to bring them to the city next year. So pretty much SummerSlam in Boston, you know, it's already locked up for next year. SummerSlam, WrestleMania in Tampa Bay, that's locked up. Survivor Series, that's going to be the question. I think that's why the Amway Center is going to be a testing point because if they can start slowly getting people in, they might be able to go to other venues because I don't think Orlando is going to want to keep renting out the Amway Center for WWE. They're going to probably want to get some other things in there as well once they get the clear. But yeah, SummerSlam is going to take place this year at the Amway Center. Um, in Orlando, Florida. So, really looking forward to. See, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how that comes off, and maybe we'll get an idea tonight on SmackDown. All right. Speaking 
of wrestling. That brings us into our third topic, and that is the passing of a legend. That's right. Uh, This past week, someone that I grew up on in wrestling passed away, and that was Big Jim Harris. Otherwise known to a lot of us fans of the 80s and the 90s, and even the 2000s, 2010s, as Kamala. That's right. Big Jim Harris, otherwise known as Kamala to a lot of us growing up, passed away at the age of 70 this past week. Now, a lot of people are saying he passed away because of the virus. He got infected by, he went to an appointment, was diagnosed found out he was diagnosed with the virus and passed away from it shortly afterwards. I I guess a couple of days afterwards. I'm not really sure. But Kamala was already going through a lot. Um, After he retired from the ring, a lot of his uh, diabetes caught up to him. And he had both his legs on individual occasions, I think years apart. But he had both his legs amputated. Uh, he was living. He, he was. He was. He, he was living um, on his own uh, with the support of his family uh, in, in Mississippi, I think, or Louisiana. I can't really recall. But he was living in you know around that area, and he was. He seemed to be doing all right. I mean, some people would look at where he was living and probably think, "Oh man, that's run down and all that." No, it was, it was all right. It was fine. It was a nice place for him, in my opinion, perfect place for him to. To live, I mean, he he had electricity, he had water, and everything. He was fine, you know. A lot of times, celebrities or athletes that retire from the spotlight, believe it or not, will buy up a small house like that, you know, somewhere here in the states of the world, and just live there without anybody knowing that hey, someone that used to be a big star lives in that area or lives in that home, and that's basically what Kamala did. Uh, but yeah, excuse me. But yeah, unfortunately, he passed away this week. And I can remember the first time I saw Kamala. Well, at least I could try to remember uh, the first time I saw him. And it wasn't the WWF. Well, it actually was the WWF. It was basically back in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. Um, I wasn't watching wrestling as much. I wasn't watching WWF as much as I would later on. I mean, I knew about Hulk Hogan and I knew that's, and I knew, and that's why I would occasionally watch it at times, you know, and him being there, but I didn't watch it as much. You know, I was a kid Saturday morning. One thing I was always primarily into was cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons, stuff like that. And once the cartoons were done, I was out, <laughs> you know, I was back in my room or something. Um, but I do remember on occasion seeing Kamala on WWF television, even as early as that time frame. And what's funny is I even remember watching him when the AWA would be on ESPN. And I think they even had world class championship wrestling, which I, I guess I also, which I guess at the time I also thought was AWA or something, you know, it was weird. Uh, but I remember watching Kamala on those programs too. And the one thing that I always, 
Uh, well, the one thing I never noticed about him until, of course, later on when you watch the WWE Network and you watch all this classic footage is he was basically the same character everywhere he went with one exception that depending on the territory where he went, even though he was the same character, there was only a, there was always like a slight modification. Like in the WWF, you know, he was exactly as you saw him and everything. He was exactly as you saw him. Yeah, in the early 80s when he showed up there and then in the mid to late 80s, he was a little bit more violent, not saying he wasn't. But when he showed up in the 90s, it's like they toned down that violence, but he was still intimidating. He was still an intimidating figure. But then... The one thing I've noticed when you would watch some of the classic footage from other territories like World Class Championship Wrestling, Mid-South, AWA, the one thing I would notice is, you know, not only would his face paint change and be totally different than what he would have on in the WWF, but he'd be a lot more violent. He'd be a lot more aggressive. And... Like I said, it was still the same character. Jim Harris was still playing the same character. But basically, when it came to world class, AWA, and a few other, Mid-South and a few others, he was a little bit more violent. He was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more intimidating, if not scary. And it was, it's, it's just a, um, it's just, how do I put this? As a wrestling fan, which I still am, believe it or not, it's such a learning experience to to see the different incarnations of the characters that you've grown to love. Like, you know, like when Doink the Clown debuted, he was originally played by Matt Bourne. And then he got, the identity got assumed by the likes of Steve Lombardi and Paul Diamond and a few others. But when you would see all these other incarnations of Doink around the country, not just WWF, but you would see in other independent promotions or wherever, you would either see a more friendly version than what you had in WWF, or you'd get the complete opposite and you would get a sadistic version. I mean, recently, um, I don't know if it was Matt Bourne himself, I think it was, or somebody else had basically resurrected Doink on the independence and in an independent promotion and based this Doink off the Heath Ledger Joker from the Dark Knight. Basically being a more sadistic, violent Doink, if not more evil. So the character, what I'm trying to get at is, despite you as a fan being used to seeing the character as one way in one promotion, when you see them later on in other promotions, they can be the same character, but completely different in several different ways. Like there can be minor, if not major tweaks and modifications. And that was the one thing about Kamala. He was one of those characters that was a, a character that basically no matter where you saw him, he was still the same character, but it might be slightly different. He, you know, he may have 
kimchi with him as his handler. He may have Friday, or kimchi would be known as Friday, depending on where they were. Or he wouldn't have kimchi or Friday. He would have just a manager. I mean, his debut match, believe it or not, is here on YouTube. You can find it. Kamala's first match, Kamala's debut match, is right here on YouTube. And, you know, he doesn't have kimchi just yet. Unless that, or Friday just yet, unless that's who it is. Well, that's an early version, if you will. But what I'm getting at is you have a complete, you have a character, you have an individual like Jim Harris that was able to adapt his Kamala persona depending on where he went. Like he basically knew, hey, I have to be the same character as I always am. But I need to either tone it down or I need to notch it up or I need to turn it up. So, yeah, the but yeah, Kamala was Jim Harris as Kamala was such a great character. Um, I you know, I, I love the idea that you know, and, and I know Jim may have not been too fond of it, but from what you know, or not just Jim, but other people may have not been too fond of it, but, you know, I think Jim was cool with it, was a little cool with it, maybe not too much, but when you would have him going up against The Undertaker or Supernatural Force, it's like, well, how do you expect Jim, how, you know, I'm pretty sure the, it's like, how do you expect Jim to react? How do you expect a character like Kamala to act? towards someone like The Undertaker. And if you're positioning him from being from this place, from deep South Africa, then, you know, or deepest, darkest Africa, if you will, and I say that with all due respect, I mean, you have to expect possibly, you have to expect possibly that in the mindset of someone like, let's say, a Vince McMahon, Kamala is going to be frightened. And, you know, he's going to be frightened of something like that. He's going to be, it's going to be unknown to him. Even though we have seen characterizations of characters like Kamala, like Jim Harris's character, to where they won't be afraid of it. They'll just go right at it. They'll just charge right at it. So, so I kind of, so basically, like I said, when I, when I think of Kamala, when I think of Jim Harris as Kamala, it, it brings up back a lot of fond memories. It really does. I mean, I was watching WWF when he feuded with The Undertaker. I was watching WWF when they hinted he was coming back. And it's like, as soon as they said Kamala, and I, I do remember this because the moment they said Kamala was arriving, I was like, Kamala, I know that character. I've seen that guy before. And like I said, it was because, and like I said earlier, it's because I saw him uh, in other promotions. I saw him in AWA. I saw him in World Class Championship Wrestling. I saw him in Mid South when they were all being shown on ESPN. And I think, like I said, I even saw him in the early days, of, in my early days of WWF. So I knew who he was. And I think I'd even seen him made an appearance for NWA, 
WCW when it was still on the NWA banner, but it was a brief appearance. And this is before he went back and became part of the Dungeon of Doom. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, though, the memories I have of Kamala are just fun memories. I love the fact that they had him do what I guess at the time was the honors because when they brought in Umaga, which, um, which was not Rosie, but um, was originally one half of Three Minute Warning. You know, but when they brought in Umaga, a lot of people started making the comparisons to Kamala. I mean, you look at the Minitron doing his entrance, and one of the things that flashes on there is like a help, is like a face, is a is a face guard or a face helmet or whatever. Very similar ident- to Kamala's. So a lot of people made that comparison. And I think WWF at that time realized, yeah, you know, we need to probably have the torch be passed here because people are still going to be making that comparison if we don't. And in 2000, I think it was it 2005, 2006, they allowed that to happen. Yeah, it was a bit of a squash, but at least you were finally able to see the past take on the present. So that was really cool. That was really cool. And that was really cool to see, despite, you know, it being uh, him jobbing out and what was potentially maybe one of his last matches, matches for the company. I mean, he did make appearances here and there, but that was about it. Um, I think, I think the last time he wrestled was, I think, years before his first amputation, and that was against Eddie Kingston. You can find that here on YouTube as well. But yeah, it's just... And he was able to speak English. He was speaking... And he was, well, he was always able to speak English, is what I'm saying. No no disrespect in that. Um, mis, mispronouncing of words. Mispronouncing of words. <laughs> uh, but what I said is, he just spoke like Jim Harris, like a normal guy. So... So, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was, so, yeah, like I said, just have a lot of great fond memories of Kamala. And, you know, may he rest in peace, God rest his soul. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of great memories. And that's really all I can say about the guy. You know, my prayers and condolences go out to his family. And um, I think, you know, the Hall of Fame, WWF Hall of, or WWE Hall of Fame has to resume Probably by the end of this year, Survivor Series, I would assume, is probably going to be the closest we're going to get. If we can get a crowd in there. And um, if we do, hopefully they'll add one more introduction into the Hall of Fame, and that will be Kamala. So, um, and so yeah, anyway. With that said, let's move on to our... So, yeah, rest in peace, Kamala. God, speak to you. Nothing. Nothing. Wrong number. Wrong number.
Sorry about that. Uh, but anyway, basically a wrong number. I don't know why they're calling. But anyway, getting on to our fourth topic. And the fourth topic we're going to talk about here is something that the Animania cast, the Animania cast, uh, recently talked about on social media. I think they talked about it on the podcast. And that is new characters to be introduced in the Animaniacs reboot premiering the week before Thanksgiving. That, that's right. The the uh, scheduled date for the debut of Animaniacs, the reboot, is the week before Thanksgiving, as far as I know. Check. Yeah, it's basically the Friday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, of course, following on the 26th this year. Anyway, getting back on topic, um, if you will. Like I said, the fourth topic, new characters to be introduced in the Animaniacs reboot premiering the week before Thanksgiving. Now, the Animaniac cast announced that several characters originally, and I talked about this among others, some characters were not going to be returning, like Hello Nurse, Minerva Mink, and several others. Some other names, now some names, besides, let's say, Pinky and the Brain, of characters from the original series have been rumored to return. Like uh, Rita and Runtz being rumored, I think um, Slappy and Skippy, Slappy Squirrel and Skippy are being rumored. So there are there are several characters that are being rumored. Excuse me, rumored to return this year or return in the new series uh, when it debuts. But along with them possibly returning along with Pinky and the Brain and the Warner siblings, we have new characters as well. Now, they didn't give out specific details of who these characters were, um, but I would have to assume, I'd have to assume that you got to have, have characters that, and, and I said this before, and I said this before, you got to have characters that are, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, but like I said, you got to have characters that, as I talked about in the quick video I did on Minerva Mink, uh, now being included, you got to have characters that are representations or similar to the characters that are not going to be there. So that even though they're going to be new and original, there might be some familiarity to them. And if I'm Warner Brothers, and I'm Hulu, and I'm Steven Spielberg, and I'm all of them involved, I got to make sure that whatever characters I'm introducing, they got to fit the mold of Animaniacs. They got to have some kind of familiarity of the characters that are not going to be there, as well as have some new originality to them. For example, I talked about a character being introduced that could be similar, toned down but similar to Minerva Mink. And I think that's possible. I think it really is possible that that can happen. The... But when it comes to characters fitting into the mold of Animaniacs, you got to give them some kind of quirkiness, some kind of wackiness, right? 
to go along with the subtle normal like oh, I'm cool and everything and you know like normal cool demeanor like oh, I'm cool nothing bugs me and then all of a sudden something happens or they see someone and go and they go from that cool demeanor oh nothing bugs me to like ooga ooga kind of deal like whoa you know mind blown hair turns into a a lighter or something like that or a match that gets lit or a fuse that gets lit and stuff so you got to have stuff like that to you know to go along with these new characters and i'm hoping and i'm sure they will one thing you definitely got to have with one of them especially if it's a new female character one that could be like i say the toned down version of a maneuver mink or similar is you got to have that character doing the melting gag you got to have them do the lustful melt there's, you can't just have them have their eyes bulge out and everything and, you know, have them, you know, do flippity flips and all that. Or have the jaws drop or the tongues come out or whatever, or just turn to ash or whatever. You got to have them have that lustful melt gag. You got to have them have the gag where they see an attractive character and they literally, one of the gags they do throughout in the in the cartoon short is melt into a puddle of goop. And either they reform themselves, they get stepped in, they seep into the ground and then get, you know, kind of return or reform by growing up into a, a, a flower that they pop out of the petal that opens up, stuff like that. Or you have the character they melt in front of, pick them up and reform them in some ways. You know, you got to have that gag in there and hopefully, hopefully they will have that gag with one female and maybe one male character. Hopefully they will. And have it utilized, and have the gag basically utilized on multiple occasions. You have to have that gag. So, so yeah, to me, any new characters that they introduce, they gotta have these characters be similar. Well, they gotta be original, no doubt, but they gotta have some kind of familiar, similar traits to the to the characters that will not uh, be involved. And, you know, and they might do that, too. They might in, add in some characters from the original Looney Tunes. Like, if they, heck, this Bosco and Honey. They got introduced in... They got they got introduced in the episode Fields of Honey of Tiny Tunes. But we haven't seen them since. So why not add them to the cast? Or why not add the characters that were obviously the inspiration for the Warner siblings from the episode Foxtrot on Tiny Tunes? Well, not Foxtrot, but on... Uh, Two-Tone Tone Town, whatever it's called. You know, add those characters. Because, you know, they were the obvious inspirations for the Warner siblings, but add them. That could work as well. But like I said, you also have... But like I said, if you're going to add new characters, they got to have original, original personality with a few familiar, similar quirks to whatever characters that they might be replacing. Like I said, if you have a toned-down version of Minerva, you have a toned-down version of Hello Nurse... You have a different set of birds that might be a, a different toned down, if not more wacky, a version of the good feathers. You know, if you have a new, you know, version or a new representation of Rita and Runt, if they're not in the series, which I think they're rumored to be, um, you need to make sure that they have not just their own original personalities and and stuff, but like I said, 
and I know I'm repeating myself, so I do apologize, but you have to make sure they also have some familiar, similar traits of the characters that obviously fans are going to point at and say, hey, that character is just like so-and-so. Oh, I can see it a mile away. And hopefully they do that. Hopefully they do that. And whatever new characters come in, like I said, you know, they give us exactly what we're hoping out of them. Not just original personalities and and original personalities, along with the zaniness and the wild takes and takes Avery kind of stuff. But they also give us that familiar tone of the characters, like I said, that obviously they may be representing or replacing by having a similar, you know, tone, a similar and familiar uh, you know, wacky side to them, you know, and, and gag, you know, wacky side with them that has certain gags go along with them. And, you know, speaking of gags, like I said, you've got to have the lustful milk gag. you got to have the gag where the women melt into a puddle of goop at the, attra- at the side of an attractive man and vice versa. Heck, if you're going to go the LGBTQ route in this as well, which they probably will, have a female melt at the side of an attractive female and a male melt at the side of an attractive male. If you want to go that route, I don't know if they will, but if you do, do it. You have to have that gag in there. And then, like I say, take it a step further. Have them either melt into a puddle where basically after they melt, they seep into the ground and then they pop up in a flower or out of a flower or something like that. Whatever. Have them do that. Have it. You know, have that gag occur. You know, you want to get zany and wacky, you know, there's a lot of tropes you can go with. You can go with the fusion trope. You can go with uh, the shape-shifting trope. You know, all that stuff with certain characters, and it would probably pay off very well. But like I said, whatever new characters are bringing in, and like I said, Animania cast, the Animania cast podcast didn't say specifically who it was going to be, but whatever characters they bring in, hopefully they live up to what the Animaniacs legacy is about. And if certain characters are replacing, are going to be going to be stand-ins, stand-ins or replacements for characters that are not going to be there, hopefully you give them their own personality, but you also retain some of the wackiness of the characters that they're, that they're, basically um, replacing and, you know, representing in their own unique way. Oh, well, I didn't know my friend, but anyway, I didn't know. Well, my friend online was telling me he was talking about something else, but you kind of, but I'm sure you get what I'm saying, guys. That they need to do that. They need to go that route. And hopefully they do. And whatever characters they introduce, like I said, hopefully live up to the Animaniacs uh, legacy. But again, you've got to have certain gags in there. You've got to have the lustful male gag. You've got to have the traditionals eyes popping out of the window gag, out of the eye, eyes popping out of the head gag. You have the tongue going down the onto the ground gag. you got to have the whole explode into pieces gag or have the hair turn into a fuse kind of gag, whatever. You got to have those kind of gags as well as have a shape-shifting trope as well. Like I said, have a a shape-shifting trope or a fusion trope or whatever and and just go with that. And 
you and knowing the people behind this it's the original some of the original talent like writers and all that you can get very creative with it you can you can get very creative and i think anybody would agree that that has potential and all i can say is can't wait just can't wait you know, what a week going into Thanksgiving. I mean, not only am I going to be off on Thanksgiving, which a lot of stores are going to be doing for their employees and associates. Finally, after all this time, I was trying to think what I was going to say there, but also be able to watch the Anime X reboot. And speaking of it, just before I go, uh, the news that came out was not only is it coming out, I think the week before Thanksgiving on Hulu, but there's only going to be 13 episodes in the first season which is going to be probably within that one day, that day, it's one debut day, unless they decide to go individual. And then in 2021, which I think would be at the early portion of it, like January to March, between January and March, you'll get the second season, which will consist of another 13 episodes. And then we'll go from there. And if there's more seasons to come, you know, it'll all be based on the success of those two seasons. So, yeah, Animaniacs is, um, Animaniacs, like I said, in introducing new characters. Like I said, hopefully they have their own original personalities, but they have, but they also retain some of that zaniness and wackiness and vi- gags that go along with it, like the Lustful Milk gag and, and all that that I just mentioned. Engine along with new gags, like the shape-shifting gag, a fusion gag, whatever. Hopefully they bring that incorporated all into these, along with these characters. As well as the fact that the show will debut, like I said, a week before Thanksgiving. Actually, six days before. And it will have 13 episodes the first season. And then around the beginning of 2021, which would be... Which would be around... Um, say 2021 between january and march i would assume that's when the second season with the 13 episodes will debut excuse me for a second i don't know who that is so 209 number 209 area code number but i don't know who it is but like I said, you know, the second season, anything which would consist of 13 episodes, is set to debut, I would assume, in 2021, and I would assume between January and March, which is the early portion of that of the new year. Anyway, yeah, Animaniacs will be introducing new characters um, during, you know, in the reboot when it premieres on the week before Thanksgiving. And hopefully they have everything that I just mentioned. I might even tweet the Animania cast to see if they know anything about that. And, and um, um, can't, like I said, just can't wait to see the, see the new series. All right. So the fifth topic we have, fifth topic we want to talk about here. Fifth topic is... My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Season 10 comic is out, as well as the crossover with Transformers, which is called Friendship in Disguise, which, of course, I have uh, poster versions of, of the covers on the back. 
and I hopefully we'll be getting the issues this week. But yeah, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Season 10 Comic Episode 1. I think it's issue 89, I believe. I'm not really sure. As well as issue 1 of the crossover with Transformers Friendship in Disguise is out. And both so far have been getting positive reviews. And um, I haven't read the comic, but I do know somebody here on YouTube called MD Tanzim, Tanzim, MD Tanzim dash comic, MD Tanzim dash comic, um, has the first issue up as a video with background music and all that that you can uh, look at and take your time and read as well as watch, if you will. And I think they'll be doing the same thing, if not already, it's done the same thing with the first issue of Friendship in Disguise. And both have been well-received. Both have, um, like I said, both have been well-received. And, uh, you know, the from what I can tell, the artwork is done by Andy Price. He's done the artwork before for the comic. When it comes to the Season 10 comic, that is. But when I look at the the Sorry about that again. But like I said, when I look at the artwork for the crossover, when I look at the artwork for the for the crossover with Transformers, um, basically, I see artwork that's very similar to what you see in the show because the artwork feels like it's taken, especially on the ponies, Feels like it's taken right out of the show, legitimately. Feels like it's taken uh, right out of the show. So, so yeah, you know, it feels like it was taken right out of the show, and um, it, it. And again, these are just based on clips and everything people have put online, sites have put online. It looks really good. It's really entertaining. The one thing about the comics that they're doing is they're actually splitting the stories. It looks like into two stories that are going to all come together later on, all these two chapters in one comic. You know, you have one chapter, one part focusing on Rarity and RC, at teaming up against Starscream and the Seekers. And then you have the other part of it focusing on Twilight, working with Bumblebee and Optimus Prime, and then you have the comic end with Crystalis teaming up with Megatron. And that's the Friendship in Disguise first issue. And again, the artwork looks great. The artwork feels like it's right out of the Friendship is Magic show and how a crossover like this would look like in animation. And heck, I wouldn't be surprised if this does become a success. They decide, hey, let's adapt it into a series, into an animated movie or an animated special. I wouldn't be surprised. So, so, yeah, it was, the crossover's gotten some good reviews. 
the season 10 comic, like I said, it looks the first issue, the first episode in it, uh, which, like I said, is 89. And my friend, you know, even uh, backed me up on that. Looks great. I mean, there's even a, a scene where the traveling, the tra- uh, they're being escorted by this other group of zebras. And one of the zebras is telling them, is telling Applejack, oh, I thought Zakora told you about this and that and about our prince and everything. And, and Applejack's like, whoa, I wasn't you know, ready to meet a prince. You know, maybe Twilight should have chose somebody else. And Tempest just chimes in saying, yeah, usually all the prince and princesses I've met in my time, I've turned to stone about once a week. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it looks like it's off to a good start. It looks like the issues are going to be maybe three to four parts. I'm not really sure. Or maybe two to four parts. So that they encompass maybe reading it all together as being the length of an episode. So that's probably understandable. So that seems like a a good direction to go with, you know, distributing the, the episode, the, uh, the season. I mean, episode one, episode two, uh, and I think episode three and four are all going to basically be uh, this one, the first episode officially. So basically 89, 90, 91, and 92 are going to be episode one, even though they'll be chronologically looked at as episode one, two, and three and four. And then 93, 94, 95, 96, even though they'll be looked at as episode 5, 6, 7, and 8, will be episode 2. That That's the way I can see it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think I know which scene you're talking about, though, but my friend. Because uh, there is a scene at the end uh, of the crossover, in the first issue of the crossover, where basically... Rarity and RC take Starscream down with a piece of cloth or something like that, fabric or whatever. And it is not, and it is laughable to see a character like Starscream, who always has this lustful power, wants to be the leader of the Decepticons, getting taken down by just mere clothing. And 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 then that, and that is one thing I will say. That is one thing I will say about this. It, it seems that. We're getting the crossover between Friendship is Magic and Transformers. It's a crossover between Friendship is Magic and the Generation 1, or at least the rebooted Generation 1 version of the Transformers, basically the now War for Cybertron Transformers that are looked at as a reboot, in my opinion, of G1. Well, season, well, that too. Sorry about that, my friend, but anyway. But there is one scene, like I said, in the crossover that I thought he was talking about. But, yeah, you know, overall, though, but overall, and I know I say that word a lot here, I do apologize, but overall, they they look really good. And hopefully I'll be getting my first issue of the crossover today, and maybe by next week I'll start trying to get the first issue of season 10 in my hand as well. Um, even though I can get it digitally, I'd like to have it physically in my hand. But uh, yeah, overall, get, overall, <laughs> I use that. Hey man, I, I use that line. I use that word a lot. <laughs> but yeah, in closing, what I'm saying, the this, the comics are getting positive results. People like them. 
um, both ends, especially with the crossover. And um, can't wait for more. Can't wait for more. Okay, so our sixth and final topic we're going to talk about here, our sixth and final topic we will talk about is debatable romances in animated series that have happened in the past 30 to 40 years that are hinted at, up for interpretation, etc. Okay, so in case you guys missed it, it's here on YouTube. It's also part of my Animated Girl Profiles Confidential Playlist. Um, I talked about uh, Jenny from Bucky O'Hare, Jenny the alien cat or whatever from Bucky O'Hare, which is Bucky's first mate on his crew, second in command, if you will. And I talked about her character, and I came up to a moment that even others have talked about, and especially Rob the Wonderful has talked about when he did a review of Bucky O'Hare several years ago. And that was Jenny's smittenness with Willie, uh, who is a 12 to 14-year-old character in the series. In the animated series, he's, according to from, where, from what people like Rob has been able to point out, he's looked at as a um, 12 to 13-year-old boy. Now, depending on the other interpretations of the franchise, whether it's the comics or the game, he could be looked at as older, if not around the same age that Rob speculated. Uh, but yeah, here's the thing. This, this is one of those romances that in the past 30 to 40 years has been hinted at, if not is up for interpretation, because it's one of those kind of romances or ships, if you will, romantic ships that, you know, it's kind of questionable depending on how you look at it. And it's not the only one. There have been many. There have been many throughout the year. You know, many. I mean, I can't, I can't even count how many. Maybe you guys can, but there have been many that have fallen under this debatable romance category in an animated series, depending on the characters. You know, there have been many. I mean, some people look at Sonic X and like, okay, that's nice that you kind of implied, if not left up to interpretation, that Amy and Sonic got together in that version. But it's still debatable to people like, why would you finally do that? I don't get it. You know, heck, it was even, what was it, issue 207 of the Archie book. They ended with... Sally going on a date with Monkey Con or walk with Monkey Con, Ken Con as he calls himself, and Sonic taking Amy out on a date, ate or at least to lunch at Uncle Chuck's uh, Chili Dog Diner, and the little in the comic basically <laughs> teases, "Oh, we're looking at a hint of new romances," and these were up for debate. It's like, well, what are you trying to do? The thing is, when when you look at something like Jenny's relationship with Willie in Bucky O'Hare and you also look at something that even recently has kind of fallen under that same category that being Spike and Rarity it's like you know you wonder what were people to quote 
James Wolfe as the angry video game nerd, you wonder what were they thinking? You know, why would they do this? Why would they, you know, you know, put these characters into these kind of situations? It it doesn't make sense, you know. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm sure my friend here online probably can think of some um, that I'm talking about, but maybe, maybe, I'm not saying he can, and because maybe he can't remember or can't recall that many, and I say that with all due respect, because I can't even think of that many except for the ones that come to mind. You know? But, you know, it, it makes you it makes you wonder. You know, you know, it, it makes you It makes you it makes you wonder, you know, you know why they came up with a decision like that, right? And here's the thing that I look at. I was thinking about this yesterday, and thinking about this um, even during work, believe it or not. Trying to think about, okay, well, you know, why is it always up for debate? Why why are people talking about it a lot? And I've always thought to myself that basically that basically things have, you know, I mentioned 30 to 40 years uh, in the topic. And as I put in the tags here for a second on, on my YouTube page, um, but anyway, anyway, like I said, you know, I kept thinking about why people always had something about this, you know, why were they always against something like this? And, you know, it just, you know, it dawned on me that, like I said, 30 things change, you know, a lot of things can change. Um, in, you see, a lot of things can change in 30 to 40 years. You know, heck, even, what was it, 15 years ago, something like, you know, even uh, for example, what I'm trying to get at is if you were to look at something like Jenny and uh, no, not just Jenny, but the thing with Spike and Rarity happening 15 years ago, five years before the series debuted, um, no one would bat an eye on it. No one. No one would really bat an eye. They might question it, but they wouldn't bat an eye on it because of the fact that it was 
it basically, long story short, based in the realm of fantasy. It's basically, you know, based in the realm of fantasy. And the same goes for something like Jenny and Willie's uh, very close friendship slash romantic relationship, depending on how you look at it, in Bucky O'Hare. It's fantasy. You don't have to take it seriously. And if you want to get technical about it, you want to look at the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff about it. You know, basically, in a world, like I said in my um, 75th edition of, in my Anime Girl Profile uh, episode on Jenny, uh, basically, someone like Willie could be looked at as being heroic and brave, depending on, you know, you know, what he says about himself. And believe me, he's very boastful. There's no doubt about it. He's very boastful about how how he is. You know, well, obviously he is when he first gets introduced to them. But like I said, he's very, very boastful about who he is and or where he comes from and stuff. And it's... It's just one of those situations that, you know, nowadays because we're getting nowadays because we're in such a PC, SJW, Karen-like environment, that basically things like this are not allowed anymore, or whether allowed because it's fantasy, it's imagine, it's in make believe and all that, but it's looked down upon on in very controversial ways because. It won't be the it won't be the fans that get the backlash. It'll be the people that came up with the idea of, hey, you know, or came up with the idea that will get the backlash. That will get, you know, you know, people in the faces of, hey, why did you come up with this decision? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And, you know, they have to find a way to work around it. They have to find a way to avoid that backlash. And it's. And, and here's the thing, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to something like this, they will look at the will look at them and say, "Hey, what's what's the big deal? What's your problem with it? It's fantasy. It's make believe. You know, these characters aren't real. You know, so something like this between Jenny and Willie and Bucky O'Hare, that's fine because it's fantasy. It's not real. Something like Spike and Rarity." And people supporting it, that's fine. It's cool because it's not real. It's fantasy. You know, it's just one of those situations that, you know, you look at it and you look at something like that and you wonder, you know, you know, why do people react the way they do? I mean, as I was saying earlier, 15 years ago, something like Spike and Rarity five years before the series originally debuted, Spike and Rarity's relationship wouldn't have been looked at in such a controversial way because the world, the media and all that wasn't as PC as it is now. It wasn't PC, it wasn't influenced PC, wasn't PC-ly, how do I put it? It wasn't so PC influenced by parental groups, SJWs, Karens, whatever you want to call them. It wasn't, or whatever groups are like that out there, it wasn't so influenced. It was more, even 15 years ago, it was a little bit more free. 
uh, to do what they wanted. I mean, when you look at Bucky O'Hare, the series came out in what, 1993, 1993? That's like what? That's like, yeah, 17, not 17, but 27 years ago. Just looked at, looked at, you know, 27 years ago. Uh, basically, basically something like that when, hold on for a second. Trying to say what I think I was going to say. Oh, yeah. But basically, something like that 27 years ago, it may have been looked at as being questionable, but it wouldn't be, you know, pushed back on so much. You know, you wouldn't have fans, you know, looking down upon it like, yeah, uh, this ain't right, because they know it's fantasy. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, Disney teased something with gummy bears with Sonny and Gusto. They wanted to tease something there. You know, like I said, sorry about that. I was trying to think of what I was going to say. But like I said, they they wanted to tease something there. And they couldn't really get away with anything until they came up with a certain episode that even just temporarily allowed them to do it. And that was it. You know, that was it. It allowed them to do it. But... You know, they, but even after that, they didn't fall through on anything. You know, they just teased it. And nobody batted an eye. Nobody batted an eye. Point is, you know, these kind of debatable romances, ships, romantic ships, whatever you want to call them, loves, crushes, over the past 30 to 40 years that have been hinted at up for interpretation and all that. They're always going to be around. They're always going to be around. And I don't think, I don't think we have to worry about, I don't think we have to worry much about it. I'll put it that way. I don't think We have to worry too much about um, what happens in these kind of franchises because there are going to be shows even in the future that do this. And you just got to live with it. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. They add, what they do is they basically add a bit of what's known as heart to the series. They bring an element of heart to the series, which is why you know, they add things like that in there. 
you know, like I said, which is why they add things in there, is to add to add a bit of heart to the series. And I don't think that's debatable. But again, when you but again, you know, you look at the thirty the past thirty to forty years. And there are going to be several, if not many, shows, animated series that have done this. And they'll still look at, and with today's day and age, they'll be still looked at as um, basically a series that, you know, shouldn't have done it. It shouldn't have uh, put that in there. We still looked at as that, but again, the one argument people have to give them is it's fantasy. It's fantasy, and they have to remember that. They have to remember that it's fantasy. It's not real. And. And I think that's and I think that's the one thing that they have to keep in mind. Like I said, you know, and it hits what's funny, and that's what makes that's what makes these rom- romantic ships hinted, whatever you want to call them, crushes, whatever you want to call them. That's what makes them so intriguing and loved by the fans and if not supported. Because we know it's make-believe. We know it's fantasy. And it allows us to use our imagination to look at it in any other way possible. You know, it you know, it allows us to look at it and interpret it and imply it any way we want. We don't have to look at it as being something that's problematic because it's fantasy. It's not real. So... Anyway, when I, but anyway, in closing, when I look at these debatable romances and animated series that have happened in the past 30, 40 years, you know, the hint, the ones that are hinted at, up on interpretation, stuff like that. Again, we just have to remember that they are fantasy. They're not real. And that's why it makes them so fun because you can impl- make any interpretation, any implication that you want. Even if they don't, even if the show doesn't, fully embrace what's happening themselves or fully make something official and they leave it up to the fans that's cool too that's cool too and that's what makes it fun so anyway though that's really all I'm going to say on that let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section let me know what you guys think in the live chat um, if you will uh, but that's all I'm going to say though guys for this TGIF Topics on My Mind edition for the 14th of August, 2020. Uh, Thank you all for joining me in the live chat. Those that did and those that commented in the live chat, thank you all for joining me post-live stream and watching this later on and commenting down below and giving me your thoughts on what I had to say as as well as the fact that this also later on will be uh, uploaded onto uh, 
my podcast, BW Roses Discussions, in audio format, which I am, believe it or not, one podcast, or actually two podcasts away from my 100th. Once this goes up, this will be the 99th podcast, and then later on will be the 100th podcast. So be on the lookout for those, and check me out at your various pot, various favorite um, services for podcasts to listen to podcasts at. We do it Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, if you will, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You'll be able to find me under BW Roses Discussions uh, there. So, again, thank you all for joining me this morning. Hope you have a good Friday. Stay cool if you're here in California because it will be hot. And I am out. God bless. Take care.